Oh, I didn't write myself a welcome this week. All right. Well, pinch me and call me Bertha. Wow. <laughs> I was going to go with Heidi, but sure, I'll, I'll call you Bertha. <laughs> welcome to the It's the Baronick at ABC's. Where we discuss every. Uh, ouch! What did you do that for, Heidi? No pinching. I felt like I had to pinch you because you're dreaming. Oh, no, I'm just really tired tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that was kind of lame. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I just, you know, every now and then I get tired. So. But uh, yeah, so you. Pinch your little cheeks and wake you up so you rosy little. Rosy little crazy cheeks. Aren't you cheeky tonight? I'm so cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song from seven to Y. And why? Song because we, we want to. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't tell, we have with us tonight Heidi. Who is doing a wonderful church lady impression, but you can't see it. I do kind of have that Dana Carvey. Isn't that special? (laughs) (laughs) Could it be Tracy? Hmm. It it is. (laughs) And who might our guest be tonight? Is that a is that a rhetorical? No, that was us? me asking Heidi oh. to do oh. <laughs> an intro. But... I believe we have Nick from Welcome to Do Luck. It's a the perfect place. What a special guest That's is this one. <laughs> Is that how it's pronounced, Nick? Honestly. Duak. Duak. Welcome to Duak. Yeah. Perfect place. Welcome to J.D. Waldvogel. Yes. Waldvogel. <laughs> or they might be Satan. Is that, mm. is that similar to Voyevoda? Hodakopi. Mm. What? Hodakopi. Oh, from Hodakopi. Uh, from, you know, from Hodakopi. Yeah, from Hodakopi. <laughs> You know. Yeah. <laughs> what a cookie. Yeah. Anyway. Coco Pelly? Wait. And JD and Nick are from Bare Naked Ladies Are Us. 
the podcast. Yay! Which is that the is that the cheaper version of Bare Naked Ladies? Bare Naked Ladies R Us, like Toys R Us, and yeah, it's off brand. Everything's toys. a discount. It's yeah. off brand. Yeah. Okay, it's like a mix of Dollar General and Toys R Us. So like everything, the old they, generic brand yeah. where it was just a white label with the black generic yeah. just like literally action figure like not any particular yeah. brand it's not marvel it's not dc so it's you know certainly not uh, gi joe with the kung fu grip no we thought about calling it generic it's like amalgam RS, but <laughs> no gi joe yeah. with the kung fu grip here. <laughs> no G- were there ever bare naked ladies action figures no but there should be Arby's? Oh, there should be. You know what I was going to do, which is kind of dorky. I was inspired. I am I think I'm going to crochet all of the band. Like, I can crochet figures. Nice. Mr. Rogers and stuff. I should crochet the whole band and send them. Yes. That That'd would be, be cool. amazing. It would be cool. dorky, but fun. <laughs> so? I don't like yeah. me. Well, I mean, there's a person out there that makes um, that makes cake toppers and made a cake topper of each of the band and then sent it to the band members. That's cool. I hope they were still. F- oh no, I'm thinking of cake pops. Cake toppers are the little figures. I was like, they made cake, <laughs> cake pops are so- different. <laughs> like that's cool. <laughs> Sounds delicious. But we're getting off topic. Tonight's topic is the song "Pinch Me." And if you have never heard this song before, then I think we need to pinch you because you, I mean, this was a big hit by the band. You you should have heard this song. Even if you don't like it, you should have heard the song (laughs) now. Like, um, but if you haven't, here is a quick snippet. Like the TV trying to remember what it's gone Then you try to escape but it only comes out as the arm When you try to see slowly on your front door Take your time to wait how long can make you smile When you realize it again, my son might take a while Just to try to figure out what all this is for um, and so since Aaron's not here, I guess I'll just tell everyone that this was from the Maroon album. It was the first single from the Maroon oh. album in 2000. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, um, it was it was co it was written oh by. Ed. Wait, whoa, 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 hold your socks. Go ahead. 22 years ago. 99, right? 98. Wow. Oh, 2000. 2000. Sorry, I'm sorry. 2000. And it is 2022. Wow. It's all grown up and can drink legally now. That's oh, how old Maroon is. It's so old. Wow. wow. <laughs> I don't. That is insane, really, to put that in perspective, oh, that this 22 years old yeah. is three yeah. years from being an antique classic. Well, cars are antiques after 25 years, right? So they can be classified as an I antique mean- car after. I don't think this helps or anything, but Nick and I were six when this song came out. Oh, <laughs> my. God. That doesn't make me feel old at all. 22 years later. Still talking about it. We were talking so, about it when we were six, too. We were like, now that, that I'm does, going back on Amnesia Lane. Oh. That does make me feel really old because, as you just said, to kind of put another another spin on that, there are people that are born that are drinking that that never heard this song when it first came out because they weren't around yet. Yeah, it's yes. To, they have to, never known a world without Pinch Me. To some people, this is an oldie. 
you know, like they go, Oh, that's a song that my parents used to like, that's a song that came out, but I mean, <laughs> before my, yeah, my, a couple of my siblings. I remember when. Where they can ladies. That band with that foul name. <laughs> so um, this was, this song was started by Ed, but it was actually co-written by Ed and Steven. And Correct. The single had a different uh, release in several different countries. So in Australia, if you got the single, you got the original version. They, re- they sent, they released it, but it swirled the other way. In <laughs> <That's> Australia, <right. laughs> they released it, but it was backwards. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't help that. Uh, if, if you got the orig- the single in Australia, it was the original, the radio version, inline bowline, and born human. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they got a good deal on that one. Um. Yeah, um, I, I like most of those. <laughs> Born human, raised by wolves. And then, if you got it in Europe, you got just the original and the radio version. You, you nothing else on that CD. Um, if you got the European twelve-inch promo, then you got just two remixes. You didn't even get the actual original or radio version you just got the two remixes done by and jenny uh we will be playing that a little bit later in the show if you bought it in the u.s you got pinch me the original and powder blue and if you got the seven inch in the united states then congratulations you are doing very i mean then you got pinch me and falling for the first time so it, it was a very in, an, an interesting decide to go with Fallen for the first time because that's their second release off this album for a single. So they kind Those of... Those are some oh, sexy and, brownies. I just had to say right now that JD's got some sexy brownies. Oh, everything about Those what's are, going on over here is sexy. Those are nice brownies. <laughs> I do not have brownies. Now they're, I want brownies. They're Oreo brownies too, so they're going to be even better. Oreo Ooh. brownies? Uh Ooh, that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. But you guys are far, far away. That's just sad. Yep. Yes. Anyway, back no, to the song. There would be no good by the time it got there. <laughs> um, so this song did really well in the U.S. It peaked at number 15 on the Billboard Top 100. Uh, in Canada, it peaked at number two on the adult alternative songs and adult top 40 and it reached number four on the rpm top singles chart why are there so many charts why can't you just have (laughs) like one chart they musicians and actors and celebrities need their ego stroke in so many ways and it's so easy to be like oh i'm number one like like i like i work in real estate and realtors do the same thing where they will pay certain companies to be part of this organization and then they'll get an award. And it's like number one realtor in this area as decided by blah, blah, blah. And they're the only one in that area that's part of that organization. (laughs) 
And so, or like, it'll be like the fine print where it'll be like number one real estate company. Uh, and then in the fine print, it's like between the streets of James street and Riley street on the corner. <laughs> like, so, so it's the same thing, like with so many charts, it's just because people want awards and they want to be able to, I don't know. It's, it's very self grand, grandalizing. Is that the right term? I don't know. Grandizing? I might have just made that grandizing. Up. Grandizing. Yeah. Grandizing? It's, a, it's patting themselves. Grandizing? But but the way that they do it, it's, it's very self-jazzercising. It's very self-jazzercising. That's <laughs> exactly what I was looking for. Very self-jazzercising. However, I'd also I'd also add, this was coming off the heels of stunt, which was like the big kick down the door, blow up success in the U.S. So mm-hmm. whatever they followed that up with had to be, it. There's a lot of pressure with whatever comes after that album. Well, and yes, we'll come back to that a little bit more later as well. Um, but. This song, Ed was almost not wanting to release it because of one week. Uh, This was the last song that was written for the album, and it took Ed a long time to kind of write this song because he was really worried that its structure sounded too similar to one week. And as a matter of fact, the A&R of the company, Sue Drew, who we talked about just recently, mm-hmm. picked this song as the single and Ed fought against it because he didn't want the band to be pigeonholed for the fast singing. And well, that's what I was going to say. Is it, like I, I, besides the fast singing, I can't think of any major comparisons. You know, there's yeah. not like the Steve and Ed singing. It's really just Ed or Steve's in the background. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a guitar solo. The, the tempo is different. Like besides the fast singing, yeah, the fast singing I think is the only thing that makes it kind of similar to that. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now, huh. interesting. Do you guys know what they wanted to call this song, though? Um, disco duck, but that was taken. <laughs> disco duck. Yep. No. Nope. Um, like a virgin, I think was maybe one of the working titles. Oh, but I thought it was, that was like taken. a virgin. Yeah, that was <laughs> Do you I have a know. guess, Nick? I don't know. Something about dreams. Jeremy. So originally, the, Jeremy. Yeah, the, the Jeremy. band had a name for this song, but the the management company completely blew it out of the water and said, "Absolutely not." They wanted to call this song "One Weaker." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's just, just terrible. He's a bunch of dicks. <laughs> like, of course they would. Of course they would. <laughs> and now that we're going to spell it, W-E-A-K-E-R. <laughs> oh, my Lanta. Uh, and they said so no for got, some reason? They, the label I said know. no. Why would they that do that? would have been incredible. <laughs> I don't know. One week's pretty good, but the sequel, I think, is even better. <laughs> so they well, said no. Speaking, speaking of even better or not, Heidi, will you give us a breakdown on the music? I will um, do the Heidi breakdown. I love how you've just given yourself your own theme music. That is my husband just said no. (laughs) I don't know if you heard, but I literally only got to the fun of that nah nah, and my husband no. I don't think that's okay. So. So it clocks in at about 95 beats per minute. It's pretty laid back, about four minutes, 45 seconds long. It is in the key of C originally. Um, and it's pretty basic. It's totally basic. It's so basic. It's so basic. <laughs> so it, the basic form is it has a small introduction, verse, chorus, verse two, chorus, verse three, chorus, oh, sorry, bridge, verse three, chorus, 
than a little fade out solo. So it's pretty traditional form wise in, in your traditional court verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Um, it is in the key of C, but it starts, it, it starts on an F chord. Actually, it's technically an F9 at 11 chord. That's like Ed's one of his favorite little chords. He throws oh, it into yeah. so it's many things. A, that F9 at, at 11. Um, so my theory kids would really enjoy that. Um, but it basically goes four, five, one. So that's the, the, the harmonic analysis is four, five, one, four, five, one, four, five, one. He does tweak the C chord too. Like he adds a C2, he adds a two, the second degree of the scale to it. But basically that kind of rotates around many, many times. Um, the chorus is a one, five, four, two, but a major two, which is interesting. Um, but it, it's, it's pretty typical. Uh, the bridge changes things up a bit where it goes from a five to a minor six to a five to a four to a five. So he, he sticks pretty much around that fourth chord of this fourth chord of the key and the fifth chord of the key um, brings it back home occasionally, but, and he does not land on C he lands on a G, which is the fifth degree of the scale uh, or the five chord in the key. Um, and that's what I got. So again, it's pretty, pretty simple. It's very similar edge stuff, um, but it's what he does with the finger picking that makes it sound so cool. So it's what he does with the chord that is the fun, fun stuff. That whole, it, wait, that was almost like walk this way. <laughs> that was a little weird. Um, but I love this song. It makes me happy. It's a Heidi happy song. And that's what I'm sticking to. Yeah. And the, the picking Aaron, as you were mentioning here. is kind of yes. tough. Like it, you watch oh, him pick and like the way that he goes about doing it is just very complex. <laughs> I've learned it. I've learned how to do it, but so slowly and never while singing, yeah. because it's one of those things where the picking pattern and the melody are not the same. And so you've got two different things going on and I just, I cannot do it. Uh, and what's, it's one of those things where I like, I can appreciate the complexity of it. What make, what pisses me off is when he does it so flawlessly. Like, yeah. I know he's been doing this for 22, 23 years. Like, of course it's like second nature to him, but I'm like sitting there going, okay, this one, and then move it, you know, like learning it. And then he's just like, and it's just, it's like flawless. Well, Jimmy always said he was a good flat picker. <laughs> Jimmy always said he was a good flat picker. <laughs> I can see. When he has, so he has a video, one of the videos I have this week for the appearances uh, that I. It's really good. It's really good, but it's funny because when he's giving the breakdown of how to do it, he's like, okay, you do this, then you do this, then you do this, and you just, you pick it like this, and he's just naturally kind of going through and I'm like, wait, no. no. <laughs> it's like those, those yeah. things where it's like to draw a horse, step one, this line, step two, this line, step three, complete yeah. horse. You're like exactly. filling the rest. You're like, right, no, that's right, not right. <laughs> But I do have another video yeah. in there of how the guy breaks down, like, okay, you need to click up on this string, down on this string, and then these ones to together and then you got to do it like he breaks it down really really well but it's so funny to them watch ed go yeah just like this <laughs> like this yeah 
Thanks, and Ed. Ed, I think Ed is a really underrated guitarist, just generally. Yeah. Like, is mm-hmm. will never be in the realm of like uh, Malmsteen or um, like any of the you think great guitar guitar picker Eddie Van Halen, um, Young Way Malmsteen. Um, I'm trying to think of. And they're really, I mean, I'm I know this is a lot more mod like like Andre Segovia and M Ward, like literally M is in Matt and then Ward, the folk singer, but he made his major thing when he picks up a guitar, just like magic to me, where I just go holy crap i think my internet is bust even think of like Tuck andres or like some like there are some great and ed is just so good and he makes it he makes it look so easy mm-hmm. and he go overly complicated like it's not like he's uh, stevia ray vaughn or anything or um oh who is joe satriani or any like things but what he does can be subtle but it's really it's really tough to do like again, like his yeah no, just do it like this. Well, and did, so did you guys hear where they got where where Steve? I mean, sorry, where Ed got the inspiration for the picking on this song? No, I'm going to share it. Actually, he was inspired by a guitar lick with um, Cheryl Crow. So hold on one second here. Mm-hmm. Which actually, the more I listen to. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty right. Life springs eternal on a garden neon street. That I care at all. So that's leaving Las Vegas and I I could definitely hear the inspiration in there I would Uh almost take it so it's not really inspiration so much as you know taking that maybe and speeding it up (laughs) (laughs) it's like well I, I moved it out of time and i slipped it around because it was at a different point in the chorus and and verse than where i had it it was do you know if she ever said anything no <laughs> like was there ever any like conflict about there's it? never any conflict about it but yeah it, sure no lawyers. i could see where there would have it been feels like that's a big thing now yeah exactly i feel like there have been lawsuits for less than that where people yeah. claim plagiarism yeah. that was really close i mean it follows the, the similar chord turnaround but it's but it's not as as clear as like under pressure you know it, it's not as well, clear no. as <laughs> nothing's as clear I as mean, under pressure or uh oh what was the one that or was Jordan Harrison. a ripoff of let Marvin down Gay. after two seconds of a song <laughs> yeah um it is placed to a drum loop Tyler does play yeah. over the drum loop, so it's not just like letting it go and just sitting there and listening for the whole song. He actually has work to do. Um, we also get to hear Tiny 
Menagoni or Rob in the background on the shaker. So the man, the myth, the backstage percussionist. Is he the guy that's in the lab coat and bald? Sometimes. That's always like, I'm the, yeah, okay. <laughs> He's the one that will dress up as Santa during some of the concerts. He, he always has the special little Got extra it. stuff. Mm. <laughs> um, and I love what Don was, who is the producer on this this uh, this ab- album, had to say about this song. It sounds superficially happy go lucky. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it feels like classic bare naked ladies of kind of melan or kind of upbeat music with melancholic lyrics. Yep. You know, like it's more mm-hmm. of a downer lyrically, but musically, you're kind of like, yeah, you can. If you don't listen, you're kind of bopping to it, and then you do, and you're like, oh, okay, this is not exactly what mm-hmm. I thought it was, which is very par for the course of these. But guys. it's hilarious because it's usually Steve writing those kind of lyrics. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and yeah, this is one. I this is one of the just like it makes me feel calmer when I listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, me it's too. It's just almost cathar- uh, cathartic mm-hmm. in a way. I don't know. It's just like and just the I, opening line. You just like said it and you're like, I could take And a I love breath. what they've done. I've seen them do this song. I don't even know how many times live now. And the way they switch it up often, um, mm-hmm. changing some particular lyrics that those of us that know in the know. Um and it's always interesting. You're kind of always waiting. What's what's he going to rhyme? What's what's his, what's he going to do? Um, and it's like my grandma's clothes, my sister's clothes, whatever it is, um, and or underwear or under the, like. There's so many things. Um, and I I was at quite a few concerts where some underwear landed on the stage, so that was always mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, I love it when he says, "And I just made you throw underwear." <laughs> Right. <laughs> so it's always one of those. It's it's then, one of those nice, calm, settling songs. You know what you're in for, but there's still some cheeky. Get it? Cheekiness to to the song too. I mean, it's just one of those great examples to me of everything BNL does mm-hmm. all in one package. You know, Nick and I have talked about that on uh, on our Coldplay music for a little while, where there's a couple songs where you go like, this is just the perfect example of what they do well. And Pinch Me feels like that complete package where it has the deep emotional aspects. It's got the catchy music, the catchy uh, melodies, uh, the fast singing, of course, uh, and uh, the deeper levels. It just has everything kind of all wrapped up in one. And it's such a great example of like, this is what they can do because it's funny. It's emotional. It's catchy. There's not everything. a thing it doesn't do. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. There's nothing it doesn't do, in my opinion, as far as being mm. out though. And speaking of there's I nothing agree. it doesn't do, and what we had talked about last week, I told you guys, Kevin can do a kick-ass guitar solo.
Yeah, you can. He finishes this song well, with that it, guitar solo, and I just love every second of it. It goes back to what I feel about them as a band. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a post-Steve is bad. Like, you know, I very much love a lot of the stuff since then, the majority of it. But I, I just feel like, you know, you were talking about Ed Heidi being undervalued as a guitar player. Kev is the same way for me as both a guitar player and just a, just an instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. Everything around. he does, he's amazing at. And I feel like their music as of late does not explore that as much. You know, I, I was joking last week, I think, about um, Ty's uh, drum fills. None of them, uh, I feel like lately perform to the best of their abilities you know like the, the music is very straightforward and it's i love it it's a lot of fun but it's just you hear things like this or the guitaring and the guitar and pinch me or some of the older stuff where you just go they're such good musicians and they don't take advantage of that anymore i mean there are songs where uh-huh. they do and and it breaks out passcode is is one where there's they do a lot of wonderful little things kind of in the background and and they have those moments, but they're not there as much and they're not as as obvious, I think, as as we get mm. during the stunt maroon everything to everyone era. And I think that could that's, be the word. Yeah. Like they're just not as obvious. That's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. And you know, you think about the guitar playing in some of the um poppier songs, it's still impressive. Like even the guitar playing and did I say that out loud? It's very pinch me ask where it's sliding up and down and picking yeah. finger picking it's just produced far differently mm-hmm. and i love that song but i think i think that's a fair point that it's more it's not as obvious as it used to be um well and i think that you bring think up about, a really good point yeah. too is that they were working with very different producers at that time versus now yes yes true true yeah we talked about that last week right where they've i think it's been gavin they've mainly worked with for the past few years and they've just settled into a groove which has its merits um, but it doesn't necessarily push them all the time. And that's a vastly different than what they were uh, doing in the late nineties, early two thousands. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. I mean, the, the, for almost every album for their first seven albums, they had a new producer, every album. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Which made them grow. And, and that made them seems to work different. Yeah. I feel like in the musicians that I follow closely, that seems like a relatively normal thing where you mix up the production to switch it up yeah like i don't i don't know any other bands i'm sure there are side i'm sure there are plenty that have worked with a producer like they have with gavin that consistently over that many years um i feel like people mix it up a lot to switch which does that okay it helps you grow it brings a new sound to things like it, it it pushes you sometimes agreed Again, this song is 22 years old, and now their music now they're getting older. <laughs> like I don't even know how to put that bluntly. I mean, no, they are. Yeah, I mean they're getting older. So you know, not always right. I, and not that they can't still play because they can still play. There's no question. But you know, there's there's something comfortable i think once you know yeah, what you can do and how you can do it i still is, there, I think they're getting they're not in their prime some exploratory things yeah. out there but uh i mean and you're hearing a lot more from what you know kevin is 
is doing more, you know, guitars. I liked it when they went into their, um, the phase where, which they still do in a concert where they do the acoustic breakdown and you've got the mandolin and you've got um, banjo and you've got, you know, the accordion. And so I like it when they strip things down too, because I think that really, really get a feel for the strong musicianship um, when you cut it down to, you know, no wah-wah pedals and no fancy effects and things. And you can really, Ed is, again, he is at heart a very strong guitar picker. He's a very strong, um, that, that classic folk guitar picking, that is, that is his forte. And I would much rather hear them stripped Mm -hmm. down. I love the sets. Mm. Yeah. I remember, probably six years ago now, seven years ago, I saw them somewhere. I might've been the Greek theater somewhere in LA, but it was this, it was the tour where they were opening acoustically. Mm. So they came out and performed maybe three or four songs stripped down Mm -hmm. and they opened with testing one, two, three, which is one of my favorite songs of theirs. And you're right. It just adds a whole new spin to it. And you really appreciate the musicianship more. And then they kind of went back to the stage and performed the rest of it. And it was still amazing. But I think you're right. When you strip things down, when you can't, you can't hide behind anything. This, when you can't hide exactly, and you can't hide behind production, it's just the four of them playing their right. instruments, and they're right. amazing. Yeah, they show exactly. And for of- you, for example, is <sighs> I think mm-hmm. so. It's so damn good. Yep, it is absolutely. one of the most perfect songs. Yeah, and and it's it can only like it's perfection the way they do it acoustically, mm-hmm. and I just mm-hmm. right, and it's not so, that common, and they're like it feels. There's enough of it there that you just go, why? Like, we know you can do this so well. Right. <laughs> can we get a little bit more? You know, a yeah. few more? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> a little bit more. Well, then, then a lot of it comes down to like, what do they want to do as yeah. a band? What kind of music do they want to make? Like, I think they they struck gold with a lot of songs like that for you, uh, Pinch Me, like those sorts of styled songs. And I mm-hmm. still think, like you were saying, Tracy, I think they still have stuff like that. Like, I think dry. Big Backyard kind of mm-hmm. has that acoustic. What'd you say? Canada that? Dry. Mm. Yeah, Canada Dry. That's a, that is a diamond, that song. Um, yeah, it but is. maybe for them, that is one of those things where it's like, hey, we find a lot more pleasure and passion doing these, you know, bigger songs, like more produced songs. And those still mean a lot to us, but like, we just don't get as much out of those. Or yeah. maybe it's just what their writing style suits nowadays. Who knows? But it does feel like there's always one or two little glimpses of that. Um, I think on this album, you get to the, on De Trois De Trois, you get to the back half of it and you've got like, you know, Man-Made Lake and, um, oh shoot, there's another one that I'm forgetting where they're, yep, mm-hmm. God forbid. Yeah, these kind of slower, more acoustic songs. I've seen the past few nights they've been playing uh, with the whole England th- or the European tour with the when half the boys had were sick. Um, they started playing toe-to-toe. And I think that's another one that I feel the same way where I go, that feels like like a gem from, I think that's from Silver Ball, Toe to Toe, yes. where mm-hmm. it feels very much like that for you sort of a song. Um, but it goes under the radar when you have the bigger bombastic songs on the same record. Right. And it, and it really does play well when it's broken down and just played simply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. They're pretty good. That's what they do. These guys, I know what they're yeah, doing. They're they're not so bad. They're not so not too shabby. Should we should we talk about lyrics? Yeah, I was just or... gonna say. Like, I know Don was kind of kept it kind of easy when he was talking about the music, but his the other part of his quote about this song is 
Well, first of all, he was like, well, you know what? We could have called this the meaning of life that really would have fit the name of the song because it is an intense metaphysical philosophical song in a happy-go-lucky metaphor. <laughs> well, I love Don Was. Ed commented in some interview <laughs> that, that it was like, it was the post-stunt thing of just kind of going back to Canada and not getting the same reaction of this giant reaction. And it's, it's like after that big win and the letdown of going, Oh, so, okay. <laughs> we got um, first and, place in, in, in horseshoes. <laughs> I, and they're, and they're like, yeah, you, you got first place in mm -hmm. horseshoes. But really kind of looking at it, yeah, they came back to Canada and they weren't really, the Canadians didn't really care or notice that they had done it. But when you think about it, right. that makes sense, though, because for Canada, this wasn't their first big hit. This was more like their 10th big hit at this point. I mean, mm -hmm. right. they had Enid, they had Bimayoko Ono, they had Brian Wilson, they had all these other huge songs that had really risen to stardom in Canada. And so then they, you know, yeah, this other song, One Week, which isn't really them, it isn't what they're known for, makes it big in other countries. And they're like, and? <laughs> I mean, to them, it's like if we have a big a big and song here in America and, and this group that we've known for a long time, and then that band goes overseas and makes a big hit overseas, we're not like, woohoo, when they come home. We're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also the, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like the British comedy circuit, like all of the, the all the panel shows and stuff. like, I'm just, I'm so immersed in that. And it's crazy to me how famous people can be in England. And then nobody knows about them in the mm -hmm. US. There's a couple yeah. comedians I've, when I lived in LA that I saw where I mean, they do literally arena, not stadium, but arena tours in the UK. And they came to the uh, US and they played a couple of theaters that were like 700 seats and that was it. And it's crazy to me how sequestered fame can be mm -hmm. like this guy's really famous in Australia. These guys were huge for eight or nine years in Canada. And I'm really big in Sheboygan. They love me in Sheboygan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm huge. The Kenosha kickers. Well, in, like I, I grew up watching. Now, Nick, I think you got the reference now. Uh -huh. right? <laughs> Okay. I grew up Just making sure. watching really PBI, uh, PBS, and they would show all the British sitcoms. Wait, you were going to say PBIS, weren't you? Um, it's a teacher yeah. thing. Um, and and they, you know, they you would have these actors over there that would really be huge actors over in Britain, and then they'd come to the United States. And I'm I'm thinking of like the the female lead in Black Books, like. Over in Britain, everyone knows oh, her. Oh yeah, even, even Hugh Laurie, uh, like Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie, big fan of way before. And then he came over here and he did, did house. house, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, have you heard this guy, Hugh Laurie?" I'm like, "Um, like 15 yep. years ago, I heard of him." Yeah, <laughs> Peter's great. Friends yeah. was one of my well, favorite like, movies way back. Like, I loved them. Which movie? Sorry, Black Adder. Mm -hmm. Black Adder with. Oh Laurie. yeah, yep, yep, exactly, yeah. Black Adder, Peter's what? Friends. Um, I loved Peter's Friends, which was a movie with a lot of really like Kenneth Branagh was in it. Hugh Laurie. Um, oh, um, oh, what's her name? She played um the evil one in um Harry Potter. 
uh, Umbridge. Um, she was in it. She played oh, yes. wife. Yes. Emma Thompson was in it. Like, it's such a great, fun, it would like version of the big chill, if you will. But I thought it was, it, it, but nobody else got it. Like, I loved it. And people were like, oh, what, what are you talking about? What is this well, movie? You talk about black books and, and all this stuff. Like I think when I was some of these British comedians, Bill Bailey is one of those guys that I'm talking about where like he's revered in England and very few of us have heard about him over here in the U S and it's just crazy how shows movements, cultures like that can just explode. And, but just so contained, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I, I, I understand that being a thing of, and it's all, it's weird because this is almost the opposite of that, where they were famous in Canada mm-hmm. and then they go to the U S and then they blow up and then they come back and they're like, we're famous now. And they're like, yeah, sure. Okay. You were. <laughs> like what's different about that? You're famous for the song That's that we nice. really don't like that much. Like it's okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, now what, now what have you done? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And I think the other piece of that is like that really sent Ed onto this really intense philosophical spin where he started like, I can't enjoy all of this wonderful success that I'm having. Why am I not happy with all of this success? And, you know, deep down in my heart, like things are really good, but just not, they're not good for me right now. And why is that? And I, I, I feel like I read this somewhere and I tried to look for it today, but I couldn't find it. So I might be pulling this out of thin air. I thought I read somewhere that he also said this song was about the anxieties of parenthood of becoming a father for the first time. I I swear I read that somewhere and I can feel the, you know, because I, you know, I've 18 month old boys. And so I, that hit me uh, seven, 19, 20 months ago. And I could feel like that anxiety on top of, this fame that is hitting you, this like American stardom, that is the perfect mix for chaos and for being unsettled and stuff like that. So I can see all of these elements coming together um, and just hurting and making you, making you feel scared, you know? And it's funny because, you know, it's a song about depression, but I think it's interesting that Steve's depression is completely and utterly different than Ed's depression. <laughs> right. And, and I think it's bit. wonderful because <laughs> Steve, we get this self-loathing self moment uh-huh. um, versus like with Ed, we get the, dep- we get the ennui, the anhedonia, the just like not quite sure about himself kind of depression. It's very, his is almost more like a numbing depression mm-hmm. where you just kind of like lose emotion. And you kind of stare out, you know, mm. where like there's like nothing hitting you sort of sometimes. Yeah. And then Steve's is, yeah, very self-effacing and it's so much fun. <laughs> and I have to say the existential crisis of this song is just exquisite. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I will, we'll, I know that we get to this later, but this to like, me is as, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Heidi. No, no, no. Go ahead, JD. Oh, I'll, I'll try to be quick, but that's never my forte. I, I, this to me is as close to a perfect song as you can get in life. And I think like all of the lyrics are beautiful, but you look at that first verse specifically, Mm -hmm. it's the perfect time of year somewhere far away from here. Even that line is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then I think one that always hits me is I feel fine enough, I guess, considering everything's a mess. Like this idea Mm -hmm. that life is falling apart around you, but you're trying to 
still walk forward. Mm-hmm. It's that just feeling it, of flaw that, you know, I, there's no way to really explain it. Like you're not really in a depression, but you're just, just trying to not, hold it all together. Yeah. You're just you're not, there. not yeah. adulting. Yeah. I don't want to yes. adult today. I just am not uh-huh. feeling, I don't feel good. I don't feel bad. I just feel right. well, <laughs> And the like, feeling I've always—I yeah, could. There's a restaurant down the street where hungry people like to eat, and I could walk, but I'll just drive because it's colder than it looks outside. Like there's, it's right. so internal monologue mm-hmm. of I could just sit well, my you, couch all day. And I'm always. <laughs> and when go you ahead. go ahead, no, no, I, no, I've no, always no. thought like to to me when I listen to this song, and and it this is the part that speaks to me of like there's this. You know, please tell me that there's more to life than what I have here. But at the same time, I have a good life and and I'm not enjoying the good things in life and the simple things in life. But oh, please, God, tell me there's more. (laughs) Well, I think that's the hard thing with depression. You know, like I'm I'm on medication for anxiety and depression, and I know that I have friends who have it far. Yep. There's a raise of hands uh, who have it far I wasn't, I was going to say worse, but differently than I do, because again, it manifests differently, but I think that's one of the worst things about it is that so everything can be going right in life and you still feel this Mm -hmm. way. And that's what makes it so hard. You know, I think one of the, I think for me, one of the best things a songwriter can do is communicate the incommunicable. And I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that's that Ed does in this song is he, Mm -hmm is able to make me go like, this is what feeling numb and depressed feels like is this song, or this is what feeling elated feels like is the, you know, like deeply in love or like all, you know, break your heart as another one. That's, you know, I, I think it's just to your point, Tracy, where you just go, things are going well right now. Why am I still feeling like this? Or why is this not enough for me? And mm-hmm. not being able to have an answer to that and then feeling crappy about yourself mm-hmm. yep. for not being okay and then I it's just this vicious great. cycle yeah. of yeah. things yeah i should be and grateful right and again that's still the like i've been in those for lack of a better word slumps before i've been in a full blow sure. before but um right. i'm just like i i just want to cry maybe but i don't have a reason to and i don't even know why like you just mm-hmm. don't know why and there's no reason yes. And you think of that all the time where people are like, yeah, exactly. But your life is so great. You've done this and this and this, and you're doing this and this, and you have a, mm-hmm. you have food and you have great kids and you have money in the bank and, and it doesn't matter. Cause that's not what it's about. You just, and some days I, it's not like I'm depressed. I just am kind of like, eh, you're having a mess. Yeah. Eh. Um, and I love the chorus too, where he's like, it's like a dream you try to remember, but it's gone. Then you try to scream and it only comes out as a yawn. How many dreams have I had that though, where you're uh, trying to scream and it, you cannot scream. It is a scary ass dream. It's kind of like when you're, I've also had, and I'm sure everybody else has too, the dream where you're trying to run, but you mm-hmm. can't, and you're stuck or you, you cannot move forward. And mm-hmm. that it, it, it's buckling. It's, it's terrifying. Yeah. And, and Steve said that and, that is in, on the iTunes original uh, series if you downloaded it and bought it and downloaded it he actually says this is his favorite lyric out of like almost all the lyrics he's ever written at that point yeah I've mm-hmm. I, yeah that lyric is his favorite it's it's brilliant because it is one of those you know you're tra- like I can, I can see him saying you know I'm trying to see the world beyond my front door which means I'm trying to see what's next for me what's next for us 
but I can't express what that could be. I can't express what I expect it to be. I can't like, yeah. I can't really get beyond today. Well, you, you have all of those feelings wrapped up in this and then it follows it up with, please God, tell me that I'm still asleep. Like, just like, mm. Oh, maybe I'm just dreaming. Like maybe this is all going to be okay when I wake up. Like it's all, I don't know. And that line too, it just feels I, I, like he's exasperated and like, could actually be calling out like on the other hand like actually sitting somewhere like please please god just like tell me that i'm dreaming well, and i think what's so funny to me about all of this stuff is that all of these lyrics are in the same song that he mm-hmm. says i could hide out under there i just made you say underwear <laughs> and you know what i mean like i i mean honestly this is like the lyrics that we're talking about they give me shit like when when you were Heidi, when you were just kind of recalling the chorus that scream comes out as a yawn, it it gives me shivers thinking about it. And then you have those lyrics later, which I think only add to it. I don't think they detract from the deepness of it. I think that's what is beautiful about it is that when you are in these, yeah, see that there there are the goosebumps. When you're in these mental states, you still have the minutia to deal with. Mm -hmm. You still have these really light things, you know, because I'm, I mean, Nick knows far more, obviously, but I've, I, I mean, past few months for me have been the worst months of my life. And what's so weird about those times is that you still go like today, it was one of those days where I go, oh shit, I need to buy more dog food. Right. <laughs> and you have like, these really like logistical life moments where you're like, all of this stuff is swirling, but I have to make sure I have food for the dog mm-hmm. or, oh shoot, I need an oil change or, oh, I'm going to go, you know, I'm, I could hide out under there. And like a little joke comes to like, all of these things on the surface are still happening, no matter how loud you're screaming inside. And I think this song just encapsulates both parts of that. So well, Mm -hmm. the light heart, and then also just the concept of being depressed and like making light of it. Right. Like, because it's so hard to get down to that level and stay down there where we're, it's very easy for us to go down there and then pop right back up with a joke. But I think Mm. I could hide out under there. It's oh, cool ahead. that he puts that in there, that little joke, that really young juvenile joke. But the way he delivers mm-hmm. that joke is really important too. I just made you say underwear. It's a throwaway. And in being a throwaway, mm-hmm. he even in this time where like these jo- jokes that made him used to laugh and smile, there's no laugh or smile under him saying that joke. Nothing, nothing yeah. is shifting him out of this this lack of emotion right they're so right yeah, i like, never thought about it that way the, i really uh, like that yeah where the things that used to make you smile or laugh or lift you out they just hit you differently they pass right through you and they oh, they don't and it's so oh, it's man, it's I, really you know i, I want to know do you guys think that the please god line was a steve line because ed is an atheist so I was just thinking about that when Nick was talking about that. I, I think one of two things. One, yes, maybe that. <laughs> I've always been confused as to where Steve falls religiously because, you know, even in Heal Thyself's Part 1 and 2, there's so much religious imagery. But I don't know if that's from his heritage and, like, his knowledge versus what he actually feels. Mm-hmm. But I also, you hear a lot of stories of atheists or agnostics praying in their worst times. Mm. And I mean, there's a I, there's a song by um, uh, Frank Turner. He's an English singer, one of my favorite musicians. And 
uh, I don't know if you guys, do you guys know the band Frightened Rabbits mm-hmm. at all? Um, no. Uh, yeah, so they're 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 like an alternative band, and the lead singer uh, took his life about two years ago. And within the indie scene, it was this this huge ripple effect. And um, Frank has a song about that on his new album from a couple months ago. And what, what, one of the lines, and I'm going to butcher it, is something like, you know, I prayed to God and I know, you know, you'd probably laugh at me for that seeing as how we're both atheists, but it's what felt right. And I feel like it could have been Ed's line of being in that deep of a pit to go, I've got nothing left to do but pray right now. And I don't even believe there's a God. So that's an idea. Yeah, that's a really good point. Sorry, I, this song. Oh, that was great. This song is one of my favorite songs ever written. And so it's hard for me to not just like soapbox about <laughs> it, you know? So it's hard to look to, yeah. So would you believe and that? I also love the whole. Go no, go Sorry, ahead, go Heidi. Ahead, I'll jump in later. No, I was thinking of just the, uh, the evening such as this. It's hard to tell if I exist. Pack the car. Oh, we'll notice that I'm not around. Mm. Like how many, like. We all must think that at some point. If you don't, I am so like, unimportant. It's part of being human, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's I've I've been very very blessed in my career to have a lot of accolades and a lot of really big awards that very few teachers ever get acknowledged with. Um, I'm and even so, like. I, I've been in the Oval Office with the president. Like, like it's it's okay. Amazing. But which president? Obama. <laughs> oh, okay. um, Talk. Yeah, I was the I'm, I'm the twenty I'm the twenty thirteen New Hampshire Teacher of the Year. Um, I was a Why top four finalist. Jesus. Top four finalist for National Teacher of the Year that year. So I've done a lot of big things. Um, I've, I've received an award from Dolly Parton herself, um, in Dollywood. So yeah, lots of big things, but even that, all, I know it was really cool. Um, (laughs) you know, you're at the pinnacle of your career and that's the only thing I can compare to Ed from doing 60,000 stadium audiences on the stunt tour. And for me, it was like that year of service and being in the Oval Office. And still going, wow, what what would happen? Like, maybe it's not that big. Because then I still went back to my school, still mm-hmm. faculty room. And it was yep. like, oh, okay, yeah, you were teaching here. Great. <laughs> I, yep. Exact same yeah, thing. Yeah. It was like, oh, we don't care what you have to say. I'm like, but I learned a lot of cool stuff. I did some Smithsonian mm-hmm. things and I went to space camp. Can I talk to anybody? But they're like, oh, that, oh, you again? That's already been done. <laughs> well, and then it goes back, to, like, that's so relatable to what Steve, what Ed's talking about, about coming back to Canada and people being like, yeah, and? Like, not that impressed by it. And it's funny because I've had so many conversations with my brother before, because he's a mus- he's like a touring musician. Like, he's, you know, his band's trying to blow up, and they will. Uh, it's so freaking cool. But we've talked so much about, like, where your, um, where you feel your value comes from. And I think we all, myself included, fall victim to ranking our lives on those sorts of things right like awards and accolades and things oh absolutely right yeah exactly i mean i mean 
I, I, I've never once felt any ego from you, Heidi, but if you were ever called the New Hampshire Teacher of the Year, how is that not going to seep in even a little bit, right? <laughs> like, how is that not going to make you go, I'm pretty good at what I do? Yeah, and, but you also have imposter syndrome. Like, you're like, wait, oh God, oh, yes. I oh, get chosen God, yes. over hundreds and hundreds of teachers. How is it my work? Yep. And it's a large yes. process. Like, you have to do a lot of work for it. Like, it starts right. up letter from from a, one of my parents my band kid parents right then it just went and went and you have to prove yourself and all these things but even so you're still like no and then you blow your mind you go then to see 54 other teachers from around the globe well around the country but you also included the mariana islands and um, like some yeah, other right yeah, the Rico. Department of Defense. And you're like, I am shit compared to a lot of these, <laughs> these people are holy cow good in a sphere that I could never even dream of being. So you then you like you're sitting there going, wow, I should not be here. Like, I am not this. Good. It's this mind. It's so insane. One of the I, the first time I ever had the opposite feeling of that was when my wife at the time and I were pregnant with the twins and I realized I was the same age, give or take a few months that my parents were when they had me. And I was like, there's no way in hell they felt prepared. Like, like there's no way in hell they felt differently than I do. And if, if you know, cause I, I, like you said, I'm sure we all do to some degree suffer from imposter syndrome, but that was one of those moments where I go, Oh, we're all fake. Oh yeah. Like we're all figuring this out. <laughs> and it was almost really comforting to go like, I feel so unprepared to be a parent, but like, who doesn't? And so you have moments of humble, of humbling like that where you go, oh, okay, it's going to be all right. If they can do it, I can do it. I've, I've had, great, by the way. I have um, three student teachers that are out right now. Um, I facilitate music and music student teachers. Well, and music and students in general. And they're all experiencing this right now as their student yeah. teacher. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I have no idea. Yep. I, every, n- n- neither does any starting <laughs> up. And if they do, then seriously, they're assholes. That, that's um, the thing is I tell them when I, I work with a I brand mean, new. 25 years later, I still don't have it all figured out and I'm learning every day. So, but the, it's, it's tremendous how these kids are like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. Am I doing the right thing? Am I supposed to be a teacher? Am I supposed to be I'm like, if you're asking those questions, you're doing the right that's, thing. That's what so. I ended up when I was teaching uh, counselors, when I was teaching therapists and they would come to me and they're brand new and they were like, I, I feel like I'm always doing it wrong. How do you ever feel like you're doing it right? You're like, I, I feel like I'm always messing up. I'm going to mess up these people's lives. I'm like right there. I can tell by what you just said that you are therefore a good counselor because you've got those thoughts going through your head, which is great. You know, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, you know, maybe this is reading too much into it, but, and, and again, I, I, I preface this with saying this is a giant generalization. But my parents' generation, like Gen X uh, versus millennials, I think one big difference is that millennials treat mental health a lot differently, where they are far more open to talk about. I've experienced this in my job with my team versus uh, my boss, who's a little bit older than us. Like the way that we talk about mental health versus the way that they do is very different. And then with my parents, of course, like they, th- my dad, bless his soul, he's one of the best men I've ever I've ever known but he's very much one of those like well just go work out you know like that's going to take care of it or like just go, I'm of you know, the like, 
suck it up generation. It like, I'm, yes, I'm exactly. Like, the suck it up. I was that, born in '74. We are the suck it up generation. We are the <laughs> yeah. And pull up your pants and, so, and move on and figure it out. And like suppress or don't deal with Adamo, you know, things like that. And then, you know, Ed would have been about 30 when this song came out. So Ballpark 29, when he wrote it, I, I feel like that's a pretty big thing to sing about mm-hmm. when you're not, yeah. when you're 29 or 30 in 1999, 2000, it's, it's a very big thing to like admit and to sing about and especially and when you just I, I would, hit it big to then to come out and yeah, sing about like exactly. how I feel I'm an imposter, how I feel like it just like exactly. I don't feel like I'm that's good enough. Point. Like to dare to do that with his, you know, with the generation that's before that and the generation that he is in and not get called that's a wine. That's so true. <laughs> You know, I remember it, yes. was, it was probably around that time they were playing Manch Vegas, Manchester. And um, I remember, like, I think it was Aerosmith had played there like the night before or a couple of days before. And he was like, you know, I was just sitting on the toilet where like Steven Tyler sat. And, and, like, <laughs> and it's like, you know, it, and that's got to be, I mean, that's a band that is historic and mm-hmm. epic. Gotta be good. Yep. Wow. Wait yep. a minute. Um, I don't know if, if this is where I should be. Like, I'm in the, I'm in the shadows of greatness. But I, this is what I love about Bare Naked Ladies. You would never hear lyrics like this coming out of Steven Tyler. No, no, you no. You might no, hear no. it coming out of Steven. You Agreed. might hear it come out of Tyler, but you'd never hear it coming out of Steven Tyler. <laughs> that is very true. Well, I think that- when Nick and I saw them last, it was at, and we talked about this last week, it was at a casino yeah. in Michigan. And we, it was one of those, literally, when I, somebody, it was so crazy because it was around the time I was supposed to open for Steve. And I felt, such, I felt like such an asshole because I was at the office and one of our administrative assistants goes, oh, GD, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, but bare naked ladies are coming to town, I think. And I was like, yeah, I'm opening for them, actually. Like, <laughs> I'm, it's the guy from Bare Naked Ladies, Stephen Page. And she's like, oh, no, that's not what I, I heard that they were coming to the casino, but that's really cool. And I was like, Haha. and I went and looked up later. And yeah, they like they're they coming to the casino. Nick and I could not find any advertising about this show anywhere. There was not wow. an announcement tweet or Facebook post nowhere. Um, it was so weird. Um, but at the show, I think if I remember correctly, Nick, Ed told the story about he went to one of the... Um, restaurants at the yeah. casino and tried to like get a meal early or something like that and he was like oh i'm one of the bands performing tonight and she was like that's great we're not open yet and like totally <laughs> didn't care at all <laughs> and it's gotta be so funny to be like 30 some years into your career and still in i'm actually places. one of the bare naked ladies and they're like mm. <laughs> mm, you don't look like one okay yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> They're out so there. And it just kind of goes to show that some things, some things don't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't, people just don't know. Like that's why ego yeah. is such yeah. like, really, you think you're yeah. so great. Wait, have you like yeah. it, it, the yep. Oscars stuff and everything like, yep. Oh my God. Yeah. All think you are so important, but let's see, have you changed a kid's life today? Doubtful. Um, have yeah, you exactly today? Doubtful. Did you, you know, help a mother give birth today? Doubtful. Um, like you guys are actors and overpaid. In I, I, and- I'll take it a step further. I used to work for a YouTube channel when I lived in California 
And it was a decently big one at the time. And I met so not even at our channel, but so many YouTubers who had this idea. And part of it's a generational thing, right? These are at the yeah. time, 20 year olds, 22 year olds who have been given all this fame. But I'm like, bro, you're a Vine star. Like you are not famous, you know? You had one one Vine go viral <laughs> and you're treating everybody like they're I, your butlers. You know, exactly. like- Exactly. I yeah, mean, it, yeah. it, it's not, and that's the thing is I don't ever get that feeling from Ed or Steven no. or any of No. They're, I think that's part of it is that that, that humility mm-hmm. is important. And we have way too many people that are of the, do you know who I am syndrome? Mm-hmm. And they are so, yeah. all that in a bag of chips. And you're like, really? Really? You're not, you're not. So the only, thing not. the only and, way I would you know, lightly... I'm sorry. Can I, can I bring no, us no, back no, to go the right lyrics ahead. real quick? Yes, you um, can. For what's, what song are we talking about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One weaker. We haven't talked anything about <laughs> We haven't talked anything about the second verse yet. It's the perfect time of day to throw all your cares away. Put the cares sprinkler away. on the lawn, run through with no ju- with my gym shorts on. Take a or no or clothing, no clothing on, on or whatever. Yeah, take a drink right from the hose and change it to some drier clothes. Or my sister. So like clothes. he's talking about all these great, wonderful little moments in life that he gets to enjoy. And then he finishes it with climb up the stairs to my room and I'm going to sleep away the rest of the afternoon. Exactly. Like, he, yep. he just cannot enjoy those simple things in life. And I think the more you find yourself in these positions, you try to do that. You try to go back to the things that did bring you so much joy and they just don't have that effect. And I think that's what he's talking mm-hmm. about here. He's actively trying to distract himself or to feel better mm-hmm. or to do something to alleviate it. And when it's all said and done, you just can't, it's still there. You can't hide from that. And I think the other piece of the song is it's about growing up those things that you enjoyed so much in childhood, you can't enjoy so much, which it leads me to the other line. I really wanted to kind of focus on that. Most people get wrong but is also kind of you would think it's a throwaway line because he says it so fast, but it really is kind of the important piece of that that uh, chorus. Take your time. Is the way I rhyme going to make you smile when you realize a guy my size might take a while just to figure out what all this is for? I'm so grown up. You look at me as though I'm grown up, but I can't I can't figure it out. And isn't it ironic that I thought that younger me would have said by now I'd have it all, all tied up and in, in together. And I don't. I, I have gotten that wrong until just now. I thought it was take your time. Cause the way I run is going to make you smile. Mm-hmm. And the cause versus is, is a massive difference mm-hmm. in the way that the rest of that lyric plays out. Yeah, I just is put the, is the way no, it is. This week is the first time it I is put together. It's wrong the, like, oh, it is cuz. Yeah. It, yeah. Take your oh, time. Okay. Cause Got the it. way I rhyme is going to make you smile. It is cuz it's online. They have. Re- yeah. Okay. That's comforting to know. Cause I was like, Ooh. but then again, like it really hmm. kind of points out like he, he's saying, you know, you're going to laugh at the fact that I thought I would have this all together and, and I don't mm. have this all together at my age. Well, and you're, and people would assume I have it all together. Look at you. You're yes. a superstar. You're, you know, you made it. You're like at the age of 
30 ish. Yeah. Seen more success. And now I think it's kind of nice because I think they're happier in a way now in the smaller. Absolutely. They totally are. Yeah. Sharing their stories. Like I loved Steven in the big Steven BNL days, but I loved him more a few weeks ago mm-hmm. with it. Just, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe hindsight's 2020 or some weird no, we cliche to throw out, but, um, but I think, I, I think that they're happier now than they were then trying to cope with all the success and stuff. So I think yeah. it was back to a comfort thing, right? Like they've, they've, they've found their groove. They play a lot of the same places. Like, you know, they play Pine Knob in Michigan all the time. Like that's one of their home bases. And I think, and, and not like in a, in a bad way, like that's a big place to play, but like, you know, it's kind of like in a weird way, like, you know, your place, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. You're not trying to pretend anymore. Not that they ever were, but you're not trying to pretend that you're bigger than you are. Like a lot of acts try to do, and you're not trying to do the opposite. You're just like, we know what our thing is. We know what we're good at. And we love doing that for people. Mm. And I feel like you're right. I feel like they're more, they seem like they're having a lot of fun. Not that they ever weren't having fun. Cause if there's one thing that a fair naked lady show is it's fun. Um, but I think there's less pressure now. Like they don't have yeah. to, I have to come up with the next like stunt. They had to come up with the next stunt, which was maroon. And then, and I don't think anything was ever going to be as big no. as two albums. Nick were. and I became <clears throat> fans around the the first new album I ever listened to was All in Good Time. I I became a fan of them around Snack Time, right when it came out, and then they broke up, or then Steve <laughs> left, and I was like, well, that's a weird time to get into it. <laughs> um, but I've, I've thought about that now in like 2022, right? When, when uh, uh, their newest album comes out last year, how many new Bare Naked Ladies right. fans are there? How many people were de, 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 or de, de tour de force, if that's what we're going to call it. How many people <laughs> listen to that for the first time and go, oh, sure, I want to get back into this band's. Right, yeah. exactly. Like they have such a dedicated and large fan base that, and, and then, unfortunately, they have the nostalgia. Fortunately, unfortunately, they have the nostalgia side of things where right. people go to their shows because they know one week a million dollars and pinch me. Um, but I would imagine that the net new fan per year is minimal because oh, yeah. that's just not the kind of band they are. Yeah. And that's yeah. not a bad thing. And that's okay. Nick, are you still here? Yeah. <laughs> we haven't heard too much from you. <laughs> We've been kind of bogarting the conversation over here. No, so. I, I don't know. I've been feeling the whole thing. Uh, I've been feeling <laughs> the imposter syndrome. Uh, been feeling it, and you know, I don't know. I, I'm with you the whole time. <laughs> I don't know. And you're trying to make sure we weren't leaving yeah, you like, out. I don't know. I feel like it's all been covered. Hold uh, on, ready? ready? Oh, <laughs> oh my god, that is. The- I saw you holding on to something. I never imagined it would have been you in a picture of Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the things on the list that I would have guessed, it was low on the list. (laughs) Holy wow. Can I point out something that I I like about this song is that usually in most ed songs there is a (laughs) self-aggrandizing there is a (laughs) there is a a turn there's a change in the narrator there's no change in this narrator he finishes the song i could leave but i'll just say because all my stuff's here anyway he doesn't 
he doesn't grow or or heal. He ends up the same. Right. All my stuff's what? here anyway. But that feels it's more even fitting. He sings it. Yeah. With the. Yeah, with what the song's about, I, it feels you know, more fitting than actually like it all it's it ends and oh everything's fine. Yeah. You know? Nothing has changed. It's maintained. You know, um my my <laughs> these turns of phrases give a lot of weight, but my partner right now has pointed out to me a lot of things that I do where I will be talking about something emotionally and I'll go, you know, it makes me feel like this. And then eventually you just kind of get to this place where you go and then and she's like, you always change to the to second person when you get to a certain emotional level, you know, like I'll be saying, I feel this. And then I'll go. And then you say like, why would you even, and, and she's like, you always do that. Mm. And I talked to my therapist about that. And I, I kind of explained that. And he, I was like, I'm wondering if that's just one of those, like the way that I talk, it's just the whatever, or if it's like me detaching emotion, like a deep, a deep seated thing. And he goes, he looks at me, he goes, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and so when I, when you, when you mentioned that about the turn of the turn of um, the narrator, one thing that sticks out to me right now is exactly that is that it's always I, he sticks in the I and doesn't, mm. he's not talking about you. He's not talking about a third person. It's all introspective. And I feel like as a songwriter, it's very hard to stay. Like I was saying earlier about, it's very hard to, it's very humbling to talk about this stuff when you're at the peak of your success to talk about depression and anxiety. That's the same thing where he's not creating a character necessarily to talk about these subjects with, but he's going, no, I am singing about these mm. things. This is me going through this. And it takes a lot, I think, to go to that level and then stay there. And then, like you said, not get out of mm. it, right? Like end the song by still being in that place. Like, I think that's part of the, sadness of being in that state is that some days you just find yourself out of it like oh that's great but most days you don't you just stay there yeah damn i have a few more a few more filler points yeah i want to make sure i i hit on one i want to talk about the rhyme scheme amazing rhyme scheme so we we Mm -hmm. have the aa bbcc all the way through the verses but when we come to the chorus we have aa B C C B for our rhyme scheme, which I love when they mix it up a little bit, change it up. But the one that I really want to point out is who else other than Ed Robertson could rhyme drive and outside. And like, it does not (laughs) feel like if I say those two words drive and outside, and I say, do those rhyme? People would be like, no, not, not in a million years, but you never notice it in this song. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is the way that outside takes off into the chorus, mm-hmm. right? Like it's cold, then it looks outside and it, the music's already transitioning. Mm-hmm. So to a degree, you're already focusing on the musical transition, but at the same time, it works. It just straight up works. Mm-hmm. Like you don't mm-hmm. need to have the direct rhyme and I drive an out, you know, it's like, Oh, flip the light is turning orange. Coat Ripper and I called it on the door hinge where <laughs> with, um, four seconds where he's like, I rhymed orange twice. This is like a more like honest version of mm-hmm. that where it's like, you're just, you're, it's, you're not doing a direct rhyme. You're just doing something that flows well. And that's just as powerful. Um, I also yeah. want to point out that there was something that they changed when they were writing this song. Um, the originally hmm. for the chorus, 
Ed started off with the raps being in the background and the melodies were right up front. So what we hear in the background of the pinch me, pinch me, those were up front. But as they wrote it more, they felt that it was a good change to kind of put them more to the back and bring the rhymes up front. But because they did that, they felt the right that the melodies took too much of a backseat, and that's why they threw it in there and made it into a bridge. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. I, I did not know that. That is cool. really interesting. I like that. I, that's what, one of the <clears throat> things I wrote is that like Steve Harmony's in the background feel a little bit softer and feel further away, almost like a whisper. Mm-hmm. And I think that fits the mm-hmm. tone really well. So it feels kind of dreamlike. Change. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then the other thing I want to point out, my last note on the lyrics here is the original chorus. This is one of Ed's fav- favorite filler lines that he's ever written. So Ed did not originally write these lyrics for the chorus. He had some filler lines that he later then, you know, cut out and, and put other stuff in once he figured out what he wanted to say. The original original filler line for the chorus was, doesn't anybody make a good Chelsea bun like they used to back in the day? Sticky sweet. It's a special treat. If Chelsea buns were men, I'd be gay. <laughs> what? I saw that too. Sorry. That was really what, what, interesting. What were those lyrics? This is the original chorus. This is the original chorus. <laughs> That sounds like what I do when I'm writing a song and I'm just trying to find a melody and I just say random things. That's what that, like, that gels so minimally with the rest of the song. Oh, yeah. It doesn't fit in at all, but it's just so wonderful. I'm like, oh, oh my God, that's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love that so much. I I wish that were the chorus now. (laughs) I don't know if I'd go that far. (laughs) I don't I would love to hear them sing that on like in in person. Like if they're like, you know what? Let's just do this one different this one time. (laughs) That would be very fun to watch the audience. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because there'd be like seven people who were like, no way. (laughs) And then everybody else. Everyone would be pinched. What? Wait, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. All right, I'm going to take over the audio for a couple minutes and then I'm going to have us back to a discussion because I'm going to talk about all the different versions of this song that there are out there. Back to the facts. So we have the original version, which everyone I think knows. And if you don't, you know the other version that most people know, which is the radio version, which is just a a much more uh, quick version with little pieces cut out. The other big one is the Red Rocks version, which has the most beatboxing and record record scratching out of all the versions. Um, and, And he changes the words to running through the water with no clothes on and putting on his sister's clothes. We then get to the talk to the hand, which is the live concert. Um, Kevin or someone is doing some record scratching and beatboxing while Kevin is I, what I love is Steven is walking around just shaking and slapping hands with the audience and not playing guitar at all. He's just kind of like having a good old time. Um, 
Ed changes the lyrics to running through with his speedo on. Um, and he says that um, when he gets to the line, it's hard to tell if I exist. Steven looks over at him. He goes, I'm sorry. Did, did someone just say something from over there? <laughs> <laughs> so I love those little, those little bits that they throw in there um, on the iTunes original. There's the record scratching and the vocal throw-ins and Kevin is on the organ, which is really interesting. Um, I prefer the next version for Kevin wise um, because the next version, which is a selfie cam jam, we have Kevin playing the piano and those notes that he is playing on pinch me come through so beautifully on the selfie cam jam. I absolutely love it. Um, we also get a few changes from Ed during the song where he says that we're not supposed to go outside right now. Um, and I'm going to take a drink right from the stove and change into some warmer clothes. And that brings us to the bathroom sessions. The bathroom sessions is just Ed playing his guitar and having some fun. And that finally whew, brings me to the last version of the song, which is the Injetti remix, which was edited by Chin Injetti. Um, the two different versions, one has a little bit more production on it and has an extended outro. But I wanted to play for you guys what this one sounds like. It is far from my party mix type of person, but be that as it will it it does in fact exist so we should admit it and i will play you a brief snippet of that version yeah that that is far from my favorite version of the song ever but like, what BNL fan is throwing a house party? Going like, man, I love Pinch Me. I just wish there was like a house party remix <laughs> that just felt a little more, felt a little more cool, you know? Like, like, bro, like, you haven't heard? Boy, do I have the thing for you. <laughs> <laughs> There's just not an audience for that. But I, I yeah. I um, there are two covers of this song that I would like to to uh, play for you guys as well. Um, the first one is Heidi, you can plug your ears right now if you want, because I know I want to, is the kids bop version. It's the perfect time of year. Somewhere far away from here. I feel fine enough, I guess. Considering everything's a mess. Is that Colin Hay? It sounds like him, Nick. You're totally right. I thought right. so, but I, I don't think there's enough totally does sound to it. Like Colin Hay usually has just a slight bit more Australian accent, but maybe it is. I hope. You know what's interesting, too, <laughs> is that's Kids Bop 2. Yeah. Like that is like some of the earliest Kids Bop available. <laughs> Kids Bop 2. And that's what they decided to do with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it is a horrible <laughs> production. I don't recommend any. What I'm going to play my kids' snack time. I will never, never play them that. Oh, my parents tried to play kids about this weekend for the for my for my kids. And I was like, can you not? Like, <laughs> I'm not like a hipster. Like, oh, they need to only listen to indie stuff. But I'm like, 
There's no <laughs> music out there that they can listen to. Please. We don't need to play kids. It's pop. like talking down to your I child. Was so mad. <laughs> you know, kids pop. Yes, oh, exactly. At the very beginning, like I remember Kids Pop one and I was an elementary teacher at the time and I was like, oh, okay, this is okay. But then I realized they didn't really change many of the lyrics to make it friendly. And some of the songs were highly inappropriate. So I was like, what is the point? I might as well just play well, the original song. <laughs> the original and, version. And now it feels to me like they're doing the opposite where they're taking songs that just don't need to be kid mm-hmm. songs. Like just don't make a kid's version of the song. And they changed so many lyrics where it's like, this is not even the original song anymore. Don't do this. <laughs> Nobody is at, no one's going, man, I wish they had like a kid's version of WAP that I could play for my, my children. <laughs> like, it's not a thing. <laughs> I mean, who really wants to hear the kid bop, kids bop version of Sexy Motherfucker? I mean. <laughs> That's the one exception to the rule, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, so the other cover of this. But when you've got Kids Bob singing "Oh Baby, Baby," um, I'm like, these are four-year-olds. What the French toast? (laughs) So there is another cover of this song, and it is off one of the albums I own because I absolutely love this. Um, I'm not a big bluegrass fan, but they do such a great job with with covering BNL. Um, It's called. Pinch My Bluegrass. It's by Cornbread Red. Um, it is a bluegrass cover of all, or bluegrass tribute of Bare Naked Ladies. And here is their slower, slowed down, more relaxed version of Pinch Me. Take your time to wear I'm just gonna make you smile. When you realize I got myself, might take a while just to figure out what all this is for. nice it's relaxed it kind of gives that cool feel Take that. what it reminds me of actually talking about the kids bop stuff yeah. is that like there are a lot of um albums on itunes that are like lullaby versions of big bands mm-hmm. you know i think there's even some bnl stuff and that stuff to me is beautiful and this reminds me a lot more like that where it's like let's just take this and do a nice calming version of it it's not trying to make it kid friendly or change the meaning or anything it's just like Let's just do it in a different style. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that they're like, we're going to make it our own. We're not going to just do the song. We're going to find some way to make it our own. And they do that with almost all of the songs on that album. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings me to the one that I do want to open up more to a discussion. Um, and, and this one might take us a while too, um, is the video. There is a video for this song. How many people watch the video for this week? I've watched that video many, yeah. many times. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen it. Really? My favorite part of the whole video is this. is where Ed goes. I love <laughs> the pacers. The best part of the whole I video. I love the, the AMC pacers. Like, because oh. oh, I, I had an AMC Concord when I was, so it was a tank. Um, and my sister had an AMC Gremlin. So the pacer... I would have had rather had a pacer. My biggest note about this video is I could have written an entire paper about this video. To me, this is, I would say, dare say, the most perfect video in video history. In that it hits on all the points Damn. and tells the story of the song. 
but in a completely different way than what the song originally was, but still gets the whole point of the song across and is visually interesting. It's very visually interesting. I agree with you there. Yeah. And and I'm going to give, I'm going to give points to Steve. This was Steve's idea on this video and great job, Steve. Like it is, I, I, he didn't direct it, but it is beautifully written in terms of what they wanted to get across. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to send this into the chat. Uh, so you guys can actually, so we've, uh, Nick, you can actually watch it. Um, and then we'll keep talking. Mr. I do so much research and preparations. Never seen the video for yep. the song. My God. <laughs> I never watched it. I, I, I'm watching it now. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love this video. Like I have so many things, but I love how the thumbs up became the symbol of what this the song in this era of BNL mm-hmm. was like, I have, I still have stickers sitting around this whole area around me of the thumbs up sticker from this tour. So they use that on like, Oh yeah. The like whole, that. the whole tour. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I had the, t- I have this shirt. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah, I knew they released it like for their, cause the 20th anniversary or whatever was last year, mm. two years ago. And and two the, years ago, just it was two years. We just ago. didn't get it till last year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I know they like had redid all the t-shirts with the thumbs up and everything. Yeah, and and in the middle of this video, to kind of like you have so in this video, the whole thing is that we have this person who hates their job, but their their life's not bad. They're just they work in this right. restaurant, which the icon is a thumbs up, and so every the thumbs up is everywhere. And he's just not happy. He's kind of just like in the doldrums of, of this workaday life, but everyone else around him is happy. But then at the same time, you don't think that they're so happy with life either. You have the people that are going through the drive-thru that are super smiley and giving mm-hmm. the thumbs up, but mm-hmm. they're eating drive-in food. And you have the people in the, the restaurant who are giving thumbs up to everything and big old smiles. But when they turn their cups and fries over, it's a thumbs down. So really inside, you're getting this <laughs> feel that everything's thumbs down, but they're just pretending. And it gives that feel throughout the whole video. Everything is kind of this conundrum of are they really showing and feeling on the outside what they really are? Which brings me back to what JD said. Like you have all these characters in the restaurant that work there that are all Ed, different versions of Ed. And they all give thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. And then it comes back to this main (laughs) character who's been doing the drive-through and he just looks and he gives the finger to to the camera. (laughs) I love it so much. It's just such a moment of humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I absolutely yeah. love to hate Steve's makeup in this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So <laughs> I, I would love to talk to Steve just about the makeup part of this. <laughs> if you ever get that second interview. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Let's get that second and interview. Steve just recently announced that he's working on a new album. So, like, you know, Steve. Yes. I saw that. Great yeah. way to Super kind exciting. Of, I did. Kind of a great way to promote the album would be to come on the show. Um, there's this great moment when they're going and they're showing all the people that are going through the drive through. And it's, it, it shows up, it shows, it, it cuts in on each of the people going through the drive through. And Steve's got this one moment where it, it shines on him and he looks at the camera and smiles and then licks his teeth. 
And I can't watch that without just breaking down in laughter every time. <laughs> that is a Steve only thing. There's no one else that would have done that. <laughs> and then it gets to the, the third verse gets to this really great point where it says, I don't even, you know, it, it, on an evening such as this, I don't know if I exist. And everyone oh. freezes. No one notices that he exists. He is walking around all these frozen people and just like, are, am I here? Do you see me? And then like, it, it, it's just this. It's still better than the fish oh, video. by far. <laughs> I always thought the video, and this is probably, this was my teenage angsty at the time coming out, was also one of those either purposeful or not pur- purposeful like statements on like corporate America or like consumerism where it's like, uh, the man, you know, <laughs> but like that idea of like, you know, all these things are produced and to be happy and we're all made to smile. And like underneath we're all really mm-hmm. not. And I think it's very much a superficial layer to the actual core of the song. But I like mm-hmm. when you use a fast food restaurant as an example, as the, as the base of the video, it's hard for me to not, acknowledge that part of it where it's like corporate america or corporate consumer you know all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff but i think it still circles back to the same core concept of i'm supposed to be happy so i'm going to act happy Mm -hmm. even though i'm not feeling feeling it there's one more part i want to point out in this video that always makes me laugh at one minute and 35 seconds there, so there, there are there are moments in this song where they break away from the theme of the song to show this the the uh, band dancing and other people dancing around them. And yes, yes, Stephen does this dance where he's just that. <laughs> His head and body are going in different directions. The way he's staring right at the camera, right into your soul, and dancing and smiling is the greatest moment <laughs> in the video. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, like I said, I would say that this is very easily, to, at least to me, the most perfect video of of this era, and and just I agree, amazing. Yeah. I like if it. I, if I had to give a, a score to the video, it would be a five for the video alone. So. But what we should probably put some numbers to the rest of this. So my question to you guys is how many thumbs up do you give this song? Why don't we start with Nick? Nick, we've heard so little from you tonight. You get to start us off. All right. Well, this is, I mean, this was never a question. Uh, This is a five, five thumbs up out of five. This is the perfect song. Easily top three songs of all time for me. Like I said, it's like, it's cathartic. It's mm-hmm. it's just like so calming whenever it comes on. This is like the perfect. I'm sitting on a dock or on a beach and I'm just like relaxing. And it just puts me in that. I don't know. I love it. Five thumbs up to five. Five out of five. Heidi, what about you? I also give it five thumbs up. Wow. I love it. We are on quite the... I will never skip it. It will always be on my Heidi's Happy Songs playlist. Mm. JD, what about you? Five out of five. I've I've always, like Nick, just like Nick said, and, and honestly, and Heidi said too, to me, it is the definition in my life of a perfect song. 
And I've always said, I mean, I've probably said this for 10 years now. So when I was a fun little child and, you know, as an adult, I always go like, if I could, if somebody said, give me one song that describes you, this is the song I always go to. This is the song that feels the closest to who I am as a, as a person, which is a lot of weight to give a song. Um, but, but yeah, I just, I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect. Wow. Yeah. Um. So, and I scored the <laughs> lowest last week. By the way, I'm not like a. a I'm not just fives all around. I gave it the lowest score last week. So, five out of five. Wow. All right. Well, I'm I'm feeling the pressure here. I'm I'm hoping that maybe maybe Aaron or Stefan will will take the pressure off me. Boys, boys, are you? What are you giving this song? I'm like, oh gosh, I gotta listen to this song. I, I don't even know what it is. And then then I put it on. I'm like, oh, I know this one. I'm like, it sounds like a whole bunch of people mumbling in tune and then uh and then with intermittent like chorus lines. Yeah, I know this one. So I mean I can't understand a word they say. It just sounds like mumbling to me. Um I, I you know the beat's all right, it's fun, and uh but you know, I like the sound because it's it's bare naked ladies, and it's kind of the traditional sound, which is pretty cool. Um, so for me, uh, it's all right. I it'd probably come up on a playlist because it's a popular song, but um, I would say that um, it, it'd be like two point seven five for me. Here is what Aaron had to say about "Pinch Me." Definitely an Ed song. We get both balladeer Ed and hip hop Ed. Not entirely sure of the era, but I'm thinking back towards the back half of Paige's involvement. Maybe Blam? I have definitely heard this before, but did it receive a lot of airplay? I like this song, especially once I dived into the lyrics. It's one of those deceptively cheerful-sounding songs that actually is sort of a ballad to ennui? Perhaps it's just my tortured artist's soul, but I am feeling some existential angst in this one. The lyrics evoke someone who feels like they should be happy, but something is off and they just aren't. The music is solid, and as I said, I greatly enjoy songs that sound happy but actually have some bittersweet quality to them. Overall, I like Pinch Me quite a bit and would bittersweetly award it 4 out of 5. Alright, well... I don't know ahead of time what they're going to give this song. And I'm, I am sweating bullets over here at this point, because I'll be honest. Don't give it. Don't, don't give it to pure pressure, man. You don't have to. I got to give the song what I feel it is. Um, You do you. I I definitely believe this song is much better than one week. Um, Anything above a four and a half is totally on my, like I have to have it playlist. Like anything in the four category fits that, but the four and a half is a definitive. Um, and then it's just kind of breaking it down. Like, okay, do I like this song a little bit more? What about that one? And it's it's really kind of mincing some real tight things at that point. I have nothing wrong with this song. Can I put it up there with Brian Wilson? Oh, that was a hard one this week. And I don't think I can. And so I worked my way down from Brian Wilson it's above it, it's it's just below long while for me and right above passcode so i got it i have to give it a 4.54 4. 
What did you get passcode? Uh, 4.53. Jesus. Uh, I'm I'm having to get down to the real (laughs) minutia at this point with these scores. What'd you give? It's getting hard. Because this is the 200th song. This is our 200th song. At the, oh, no, this is our 199th song at this point. So, Do you not have any ties in rankings? There are, are you trying some to rank ties, them but okay. I think down the road, I'm going to actually have to go through and start really... By the end of the show, I'm going to have to break them down to the hundredths to really get Jeez. them where they need to be. Yeah. Wow. It's hard at this point. I... <laughs> It's like choosing your favorite child. I don't have a favorite child. <laughs> um, no, I 4. love this 5. song. I really do. There's uh, 4.54. I The appearances this week are just Ed doing his first live from home concert during quarantine. And this is the song that he started it off with. Um, so wonderful. I Have you guys, I have not seen the um, Steve, live from homes that he's done this but i've seen on set list that steve has played pinch me <laughs> i have not heard the versions that is very interesting to me have you have either of you guys or any of the three of you heard those versions where it's steve takes it over no i have no not yet that i i have so many not so many I, i'm very curious to hear what that sounds like i, sh- I should patreon it and, and look that up real quick but um that's very interesting to me yeah Mm-hmm. Um, I also put in here the video commentary track. So in the, at the 20th anniversary, they did a commentary track by the band um, about the song and the video, which was a lot of fun to listen to. I'm not going to add their bits and pieces in here that they added c- just because I think everyone should go out and listen to that commentary track. Um, and then the other one is, of course, when BNL was on Charmed at the P3. This is the song in the episode yep. "The Honeymoon Is Over" that they played. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I talked about this. I don't know if I talked about it on this show. I know on our show, I, they were on West Wing, and I think they were playing one week in the background of West Wing, and it was just that time in the late '90s, early 2000s, where bands would make appearances <laughs> on shows, just as bands at clubs. Oh okay. yeah. It was so weird. It's so much fun. Uh, I love it. I love knowing that they were on Charmed. It makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) So, so guys, if I was going to own a restaurant, you know what the one thing is that I would not want to order or have on the menu? Oh, no. Piece of cake? What, Tracy? Frog legs. I totally would not want to have frog legs on the menu. Why not, Tracy? Um, well, I mean, I used to <laughs> I used to thought think that like eating frog legs would be cool, but then I watched like Rainbow Connection and the Muppet movie oh, and I was like, I can't okay, eat now Kermit, I know where you're going. You know, and then I heard this song for next week and I'm like, I cannot eat like frogs. They used to be polywogs. Like that's just cruelty. I love this song so much, and you just ruined my whole like, <laughs> crazy how that can happen. So I was like, wait, where where I, I was thinking, wait, is there a song called Frog Legs on Snack Time? Wait, no, but we're in peas now. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Tracy. It was a slow burn. That was hey, you tried to by go that, I mean it, it felt like it was burning the whole time. <laughs> you try to find an yeah. intro for Polywog in a box. <laughs> 
Just polywogging a bone. Is that the one where he does a little Jamaican break down halfway through? I love that song so much. Okay, I gotta go to bed because. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> a good Thank reason, you honestly. again, gentlemen, for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, for having us good night, Nick. Good night, Katie. Good night. Hope honey. those brownies are good. Yo, they have been amazing. <laughs> oh my god, you already ate yeah, one. Yeah, I, oh, I frosted wow. them and put some sprinkles on them and had one. Mm, Very good. Nice frosted sprinkled Send brownies. Send me your address. I'll yes. ship it That's to you. I'll, so I'll overnight them to you. <laughs> that is so extra. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story, but you're right. It's <laughs> okay. If you don't know where JD and Nick are from, then please listen to our last episode where we did all of their promo for them. But we recommend that you go out and listen to Bare Naked Ladies R Us and Coldplay R Us. And when the new episodes do end up coming out, they're in the next <laughs> edition yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, when that happens. <laughs> it'll happen it's someday seriously, this is so much fun this is always the next time that you guys yeah. are on the show right yeah when it, probably unless it's next week in which case no yeah but i don't think we're on poly so. all right well no i thought you. we were regulars now <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us yeah thanks again guys thank Bye, everybody. Good night, everyone bye bye It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.